Welcome to Bible Nerds, a Bible study podcast for people who want to know what the Bible says and learn how to study it on their own. In each episode, we are joined by friends ranging from expert scholars and theologians to novice Bible readers. Together, we dive into a passage to find out what it says about God, about people, and about obedience to gain a better understanding of our relationship with God. I'm Sam Davis, a missionary with Bridges International in San Diego, California. Bible studies don't always go in the direction you had planned or fit within the set time frame. Sometimes the discussion becomes richer than you imagined it would. People can open up in amazing ways during these studies. While sticking to the topic is important, we also want to encourage sharing our lives with each other, especially if you can relate it to the study. On this episode of Bible Nerds, we're joined by Kevin Watson and J.P. Charfaros. Today's study topic of God Promises took us to Deuteronomy 5, verses 1 to 21, and verse 32 to chapter 6, verse 2, where we learned about God's law. This episode goes a bit longer than usual, but it has some powerful and thoughtful insights into the passage from personal perspectives that we just couldn't cut out. We hope you enjoy it. So, hey guys, welcome to Bible Nerd. Thank you for joining me. I would love to uh, have you say a little bit about yourself, say your name, and maybe something that you would want people to know. Awesome. Uh, my name is J.P. Chafaris, uh, and I'm the senior pastor at Pomerado Christian Church uh, in Poway, California, just outside of San Diego. Um, and something I want people to know, uh, one great thing is just uh, my wife and I, we've been married for over 14 years, and we were actually born uh, less than two days apart uh, in the same hospital. So we were literally... <laughs> Literally what? in the nursery together. Uh, so God saw fit to put us together from birth until death do us part. And so we're, uh, uh, oh it's gosh. a really cool story. God, it's, it's, it's exciting. We love it. JP, I don't that know if insane. I could top that. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, right. Kevin, I wasn't trying to steal your thunder. I just. <laughs> wow. Um, my name is Kevin Watson. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, via Springfield, Illinois. My wife saw me when we were at college together, but we actually never formally met. I have played ball uh, internationally, semi-pro, professionally, and I didn't play at all in high school. So that makes me really crazy and an anomaly. So, and also wear size 18 <laughs> shoes. That's my fun fact. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and amazing. Kevin and I both went to Lincoln Christian University in Illinois. So, um, yeah, I want to tell you guys about the study overall as seven sections. So there's God creates, man rebels, God promises, Jesus's life, Jesus's power and Jesus's victory. Oh, and uh, my response. We've already done God creates and we've already done man rebels. Today we're going to do God promises. Um, for you guys, you, there's three options. So I want you guys to choose what you'd rather study. God's promise to Abraham, God's mm. law, or God's promise to David. Kevin, you have any thoughts? I'm fine with either of the two promises. I just think that unless we're able to delve into the background a lot, that the law is really, really tricky because we live in a very legalistic society right now. And unless we're able to give the, the full scale background on why God wants his people to be different and things like that, then I don't feel like we can be fair to the listeners if we talk about the law without delving deep into mm. it. That's good. Well, let me put it this way. Eventually, somebody on this podcast is going to go over that topic. All right. Do you want it to be you or someone else? That's the, that's the, key. That's the question. Yeah, let's do the law. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let's get messy, guys. We're going to go to 
Deuteronomy 5, 1 to 21, and 5, 32 to 6, 2. That's, that's confusing. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy 5, verses 1 to 21, and then verses 32 to chapter 6, verse 2. What version would you like us to use then? Well, what do you guys have? I'm down for anything. Well, what do you like to use, Mr. JP? Uh, I like, uh, I prefer ESV probably first. I love that. Yeah. ESV too. Okay. I would love to do just like a straight shot. Would either of you like to read 5, 1 to 21? Yes, sir. Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb, not with our fathers did, excuse me, not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the midst of the fire while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder and you shall not commit adultery and you shall not steal and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Nice. And Kevin, would you mind reading chapter 5, verse 32, through chapter 6, verse 2? All right. <clears throat> you shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right nor to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that you may go well that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land of that you shall possess. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land of which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all of his commandments and his com all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Awesome. Yeah. 
I, I'm feeling what you said earlier, Kevin. This is a pretty heavy passage. <laughs> yeah. Let's pick out some difficult words. And these may be words that you understand. But what are some words that you think maybe, maybe like an international student would have a hard time with? Words or concepts, too. I think one thing would be honoring your mother and father, especially for our society mm-hmm. now. That mm-hmm. would be a hard one. Coveting mm-hmm. because of social media and how it is. Yeah. it was enacted for us to covet nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How would you define the this concept of coveting? I would say that coveting is a lack of contentment. Mm-hmm. And it's looking at what other people have, mm-hmm. allowing your heart to say, Lord, why don't I have that instead of what you've given mm-hmm. me? I have never wow. said that before either, so that was off the top of the dome. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I remember hearing uh, the definition of covet one time being uh, just wanting something that doesn't belong to you. Um, and so it kind of goes to that same point, Kevin, of your sharing of like lack of contentment, but that can go. So I love how it was, it was like on a Bible scripture CD for my girls. So they try to narrow these words down to, to a place that it just is more easily to understand. And so it's wanting something that doesn't belong to you, whether it's things around you, whether it's property, I mean, whatever it is. So I, I thought that definition was a very helpful one for me. And property yeah. was a humongous deal. Property was a signified wealth, um, your um, ability to influence the community that you're in. And so that is why it spoke to and spoke about so much throughout the Old Testament. What was the other one that you that you mentioned? Oh, the honoring of your father and mother. I think that's a Good point to bring that one up, because uh, especially when we talk with people who are from other cultures, because parental honor is a is a much different thing in other cultures. I mean, it's massively different from the culture that we're reading it from to our culture. Yeah. I remember hearing something that was really impactful when I was uh, meeting with this uh, someone who's from Peru originally. And um, he was sharing how, you know, in our culture in America, we look at everything as like innocence versus guilt. Like that's how we talk about sin. That's how we talk about it's our, you know, we're innocent or you're guilty or you're innocent until proven guilty or things like that. But he said that in, in his culture and in so many other cultures, it's not innocent guilt because that's a very individualized understanding of it. Correct. It's it's honor shame, right? You don't want to bring shame on your family or shame um, on your loved ones. You want to bring honor. And so that word I'm, I'm grateful you brought that up, Kevin, because the word honor means something very different to many, many people other than what our uh, what our culture brings up. Um, That's really good, yeah. Mr. JP. There's there's a really good book that addresses that called The 3D Gospel. Yeah. Uh-huh. Definitely recommend checking it out. Honor, shame, cultures, fear, power, cultures, and our culture, which is innocent guilt based. Innocent guilt. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I, you know, just as you're reading the passage here, uh, what I love about um, the honor your father and mother one. So I'm looking at verse uh, 16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And, you know, as you look through the rest of the passage, it's, it's the first one that really, it's the first commandment that comes with a promise, right? It's this idea of like, do this and this will happen. So what are the promises, right? It's that your days will be long. Right. And that it may go well with you in the land. And so it's interesting how it's the first one that that really emphasizes the promise. The other ones where it's like, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your name. Like those don't have a promise that is attached to it. But honor your father and mother does. Yeah, that's what's really good, JP. Are there any other words or phrases that are like that might cause people to wonder what what in the world is that that we can define real quick? I think a Sabbath would be a good one. Yeah, Um, Sabbath. I think Sabbath is important, especially for someone who doesn't know. If if someone's reading this and 
doesn't have any foundation or background in, in the Bible, it's like, I don't know what observing a Sabbath means or what does that look like? So that's a, that's an important one. I think. Also think, um, using the Lord's name in vain. Mm, sure. We need more clarification on in our times. That's what I'll say. Yeah, that's good. What verse is that? Sabbath is verse 12. And then mm-hmm. using the Lord's name in vain is verse 11. Mm-hmm. How would you define that? That Because I, I know a lot of people get tripped up by that. I mean, I know, yeah. I know the Israelites got tripped up by it. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. sure. I'll let Mr. JP touch that one first. Oh, so you bring it up and I get to answer it? Thank you, Kevin. Yes, That's sir. Very gracious. That's very gracious of you. <laughs> so, like, when I think of in vain is something where it's, you know, it's not it's not intentional, right? Like, so it, it's, it's just kind of throwing it out there. And so, you know, kind of a, a way to kind of tie that back is, you know, what we hear about is how Jewish people back then and even now, they would hesitate to say the name of God. Like um, in many of the Bibles, there's the L-O-R-D, Lord is capitalized, and it's the word for Yahweh. Um, And we pronounce it, but they wanted to be so cautious not to say the name without the proper respect and honor and, you know, the, 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 the weight of it that they wouldn't even, they didn't even want to say it because they didn't want to potentially disrespect the name of God or potentially say it in vain. And so just thinking about how often you hear, I mean, in, in so many TV shows, the name of God or Jesus, like used as just kind of this thoughtless usage of it. And, and it's not even, you know, there's no care to it. And so kind of reminder that the name of God is powerful. It's by his name that um, that we are healed. It's by his name, the power of God that we're able to, you know, see creation. So just recognizing the power and the purpose rather than just kind of frivolously just saying God or Jesus without recognizing the power or the, the importance behind it. I think I was told by a professor when I was in college, because this was something that I really wanted insight into, was making promises or um, saying things in the name of the Lord that were not true. Mm, that's good. That was one that I heard too, and not understanding like a, the power it, that the weight that comes with yeah. the name of the Lord. And so maybe like, I wonder if there's a connection there with like in, um, in juries or, or like as a witness, right? Like you're supposed to put your hand on the Bible and, and swear that you're not going to say anything untrue. Right. Um, and so I th- that makes sense. You're either not saying a vow that is untrue or you're not going to say something upon God's name that right. is untrue. Yeah. That's a good perspective, Kevin. I hadn't thought of that. That's good. Yeah. So Kevin, you're talking about like the concept of attributing something to God that isn't God's and not attributing something to God that is God's. Correct. That's good. There's one in here that I think um, might trip people up is the concept of statutes. Yeah. It says, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments. And yeah. I think a lot of people would equate those two, like, well, statutes, what are those? Well, those are commandments. Well, apparently they're not, because they're saying statutes right. and commandments. Right. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not exactly sure what the difference is. So who, who here can... Spell that out for me. Um, would you like this one or do you want me to touch on it, Mr. JP? You go for it. You got this. To modernize it, let's say put this in the um, our sense now and like how we live in our society. So a commandment. So obviously God is sovereign and has dominion of everything. So the government is not equal to the Lord. Anyone hearing this in the future, we're not saying the government is equal to the Lord. So I'm just using a comparison so that we can understand, but I don't want anyone to misquote me. Yeah, yeah. So, that's good. So paralleling it to now, I would say that a statute would be, hey, if you see, if it's a yellow light, a statute would say, hey, you need to slow down at the yellow light. A law says, 
doesn't say that you have to stop at the yellow light, but the courtesy and the social norm is that you do that. And mm-hmm. another courtesy would be uh, a statute would be something that you do because you know that it is the right thing to do or that it's going to help society function at its best. Mm-hmm. Uh, a commandment is you need to do this and you need to do this because you're protecting yourself and everyone that you come in contact with. And they also are reciprocating that when they follow the commandment. So it would just be something that, you know, you should do because it is the best thing to do that makes society function at its best capability. That would be mm-hmm. what a statute is or, and I would equate that to something that would be a social norm now as opposed to a commandment is this is to protect you and you need to do this. There's no ifs, ands, maybes, or buts. And I would equate that to the same thing as following the laws now as into you live here. This is what you have to do if you want to make sure that you are inside of the, the bubble of protection that we have out. And these are set aside for everyone to do to make sure that our society functions at its best. Interesting. I'm glad you took that one. I like that. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, you know, I think when you were sharing that, Kevin, what it reminded me of is like how we hear like another example that we hear all the time is like how there were rules and regulations for something. And it's kind of like a similar example. Oh, rules and regulations to use your verbiage, Kevin, or or to expand upon that from my understanding. It's almost like the commandments are like the rules, like this is what you do. Right. And statutes are more like regulations. Like this is how you would regulate how something should go or the best way for something to go about. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. That's good. That also reminds me, you give a good example, Kevin, it also reminds me of kind of uh, everything going on with wearing masks these days, regulation, right? In, in the sense of like, it's it's the best way to, it's, it's a way to present things or prevent, excuse me, disease, but it becomes like you're infringe, infringing upon my rights, whereas it's more like, hey, here's the best practice that will help everybody. I, I got to say uh, to our listeners, if any of that scenario made you uncomfortable, then you're still in 2020 while you listen to this. We know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe to sum it up, I would say, and tell me if you if you agree with this, statutes are the laws designed to uphold the commandments. I can see that. I just think, yeah, rules for some reason do not have a good connotation. Whenever you hear rules, it automatically gives you like a cringe sign because for some reason people feel like they're being violated when rules are needed. And that's not who God is for our listeners. Yeah, he's not a either. Yeah, he's not just a rigid rule maker. Um, well, hey, guys, in the interest of time, I'm going to move forward. I want you guys to come up with a one or two sentence retelling of this passage. And we have a two sentence max or three. You know what? If you got three, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let Mr. JP go first again. You're so generous, Kevin. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> I'll, I'll preface this and then I'll say the words. So it mentions a couple different times, not just in the passage about honoring your father and mother, but near the end and and the end of Deuteronomy 5 um, and the beginning of 6, it talks about that things will go well with you, that your days may be long. And so I would say, you know, this passage shows us that in order to live the life that we want to live, there are certain rules of things we should do and things we shouldn't do. And those rules aren't given arbitrarily or to restrict us but there are rules in which um, they provide freedom. For some people, rules, regulations, statutes, commandments, these things we're saying. For some of us, rules and regulations feel like a straitjacket that hold us back, that we can't move and we want to rebel and rip it off, get so upset about. And for others of us, rules and regulations, statutes and commandments 
are like a seatbelt that keep us safe and they keep us moving forward in the direction we want to go. So the Ten Commandments of this passage is is not meant to sh- keep us in a straitjacket. It's yes. meant to be a seatbelt that keeps us safe and to go the destination that God wants us to go, living the life He wants us to live, so that our, it will go well with us and our days would be long. Yeah. That was good, Mr. JP. Yeah, it was like 12 sentences, though. So if you can just summarize that, Kevin, that'd be really good. <laughs> I would say yeah. the Lord loves us and he desires a very intimate relationship with us. And in doing such as humans, we are prone to, whenever things go right, to do things our own way. And God mm-hmm. knows this. And so he gives us, I'm not going to say rules because it's just, ugh. I'm going to say he gives us a guide to how to get the most out of life and what will keep us in the most community with him and allow us to have the most access to who he is. And if we adhere to these things, then we will have the most fulfilling life. Does that mean that we're going to have the most fun? Does that mean that we're going to make the most money? No, it does not. But it does mean that we're going to have the most fulfilled life and we will get to experience God with the most depth. I I like that. It's like God loves us enough to not let us have free reign, but for us to be able to be free in following him. We see what happens when people get free reign. Doesn't doesn't go well. We're about to find out. Yeah, man, you guys, I really love that. With uh, Kevin, with your three sentences, and JP with your two run-on sentences. Yeah, man, it's like a, it's like, dude, it's like Paul, man. Sometimes he just wrote sentences that went for like yeah. ten verses. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and also this, it's like <laughs> yeah, 20, twenty comments. Oh, Did I mention goodness. this? You guys are funny. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So, okay. Now we're on to my absolute favorite part of the study. This is the discover section. So we're going to ask what this passage says about God, what it says about people and what it says about obedience. So first I want to ask, what does this passage say about God? These are often very, very simple things. You know, we we just want to read the passage and just bring out of it what it says. So for example, what we learned about God in verse six, that he's the Lord our God, uh, and it's all capitals, like you said, he's the Yahweh, he's giving his name, and he's brought these people out of the land of Egypt, and he, of course we know he's talking about slavery in Egypt, so he's he is someone who has saved them out of a really difficult situation. I'd say God is someone who wants and deserves all of our worship, and by that I mean you shall have no other gods before me. He doesn't share thrones with anybody. He is the one true God, and, and yes. he is meant to be the Lord of our lives and, and the God of all, including the thr- upon the throne of our hearts. And so he, he doesn't want any carved images. He doesn't want any idols. He doesn't want anything else that is going to take away from worshiping him because he knows he's the only one that's able to be worthy of our worship. And so it's, it's his love for us. Mm-hmm. He's also no pushover, right? Like he talks about how like verse eight, the end of eight for I'm, I'm a jealous God, excuse me, verse nine, I'm a jealous God visiting the iniquity or the sins of the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. He, he's not a pushover. Like there is, not, there's okay. holiness. There's, there's a justice there. But his grace, is, his steadfast love is, abounds because it may be three to four generations according to this. But then verse 10 talks about thousands of generations or thousands of those who love him. So he punishes the wicked and rewards those he loves, which I think is what we want. Yeah. is just someone who is just. Punish those who are wicked. Reward those that you love. Yeah, and having, having a just justice keeper is something that we are really needing 
we we can see today clearly that it's something that we need mm. because there are people who claim to uphold justice who are not actually just and how can how can those who are not actually just be expected to actually uphold justice mm. and god here is a just justice keeper god's justice and god's love meets right um and so the cross of christ is what provides that freedom yeah that's and that's the other thing about justice i think that and maybe this is what you're saying but Justice does not equate to niceness. Mm-hmm. Justice is if you do this thing, these are the consequences. No, I know that if I speed, if I'm going 80 miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour zone, which nobody does in San Diego. Yeah, but if I get caught, you know. There's those uh, those definitions of justice. I believe Rick Warren said this, a pastor in Southern California, but. Um, I could be wrong, but it's justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be like, so it's like, he, they use the example of a ticket where it's like, justice is you sped, you get a ticket. Mercy is, you know, you sped, you get a ticket and they knock off a hundred dollars off the pri- off the ticket price. Grace is you sped, you get a ticket, you go to court, the judge pays it for you. And, let, and the payment I is need to go to that court. Then. You know what I'm saying? So, so <laughs> I'm like, where is that, that again? Court. Yeah. So I've, I found that illustration really, really apt when it comes to justice, mercy, and grace. A couple of big things that I take from these are how God wants us to be a part of his family and how family is important because whenever God gave us the commandment so that they're like building the house on the right structure. And so mm-hmm. if we are doing what we need to do with that structure, then the house will turn out right. But when we start doing other things or we cut corners on the building of the house, the rest of the house is not functional the way that it should be. Now, we may be able to get away with not putting in drywall or having, but if you put rotten wood up as a structure, then the house is not going to be very good. And the commandments are the things that allow the house's structure to be powerful. And when we don't do what we need to do, then we go in and we're knocking some of that structure out. Then we are not putting ourselves in the most secure home. Mm. And um, I think I think that it's important to look to uh, family dynamics. But is mm-hmm. not coveting, which was in verse fourteen, and it talks about how we shouldn't be looking at what other people have. Because we're not we're not staying inside of our own house when we're doing that. We're looking at someone else's house and wanting what they have, which does not protect our family. Verses sixteen, when it talks about honoring your mother and father, because they're the they are the captains, we'll say, the people who are in charge of the home. Those are the people that God has ordained to make sure the house looks and functions at its best level. Then verse twenty one talks about how we shouldn't covet our neighbors' wives and their things. When we're doing that, we're breaking the family dynamic. We're messing with the family structure, not just in our home, though, but in someone else's. If we want someone else's spouse. Maybe even bearing false witness. That messes up family dynamics also. Um, Verse 31, when it says, stand here by me, uh, and I will tell you the commandment and the statutes and the rules, and you shall teach them that they may do them in the land, your teaching to make sure that everyone's house structure is strong and it's reaffirmed, not just yours. In the next chapter, when it talks about how if you don't do these certain things and how if you raise your children to be wicked, how you will be cursing them for three and four generations, that also is part of the family dynamic. If you do what I need you to do and you keep this structure um, reinforced with my commandments, 
then your children will be protected. But if you do not, then you are opening yourself up to not just this generation being broken, not just the next generation being broken, but the generation after that and the generation after that being broken as well. Because if we do not, then we are not setting up our future generations to be living in the fullness and within the promises of the Lord. That's really good. I love how you tie that in because it's honor your father and mother, the captains to your verbiage, and then it's you. And then it's three to four generations. So you've got five, six generations represented within that picture. Yeah, that's that's really important. Yeah. Wow. It, I love that. Kevin, that you saw thread of family woven in throughout this entire passage is really, really great. And for me um, and people who grew up like I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, my father has never been a part of my life. And so when I was young and I first came to meet the Lord, it was really difficult for me to honor someone who had never been there for me. I really delved through this specifically because I asked God, Lord, how do I honor someone who's trash? How do I honor someone who has tried to break me in ways that they'll never know? Because when you rob your children of the opportunity of a paternal love, you leave them seeking that in other places. And I never felt like I was worthy. And your father is your reflection of the Lord. God intentionally created us so that we reflect as men reflect to our children who he is. And so I was really struggling when I was growing up, especially as an adolescent in a time when we are most impressionable and we are looking for male affirmation in our lives and things like that. And I couldn't understand, Lord, how can I honor someone who has hurt me in so many ways? I realized that honor is not something that someone earns. Honor is something that you are supposed to give to someone who is in a position that the Lord has placed above you, no matter what they've done. Honor is given, respect is earned. And so Mm -hmm. even though I may not deem this person as someone who is a high quality character person, God placed them above me for a specific reason. And if he says I need to do something, there's obviously purpose in doing that. And it helped me Mm -hmm. understand myself more. It helped me to become more sympathetic. It helped me to understand how big God's grace is. And so for me, I really did struggle with honoring my mother and my father because they didn't do what they needed to do. But I realized that it wasn't about who they were per se, but it was about who God is and the role that they would place in my life. And so no matter how I feel about them individually, the shortcomings that they have, God placed them in a position above me, and I need to respect that position no matter mm-hmm. how it affected me. Yeah, no, Kevin, thanks for, thanks for sharing that, man. Thanks yeah. for sharing your story a little bit with us. Um, you know, for me, like the way you described honor, honor is given, respect is earned, right? Is that how you said it? Uh, that's really well said. Yes, sir. And it kind of, you know, I know that's not necessarily for this passage, but it, it reminds me of forgiveness in the sense of when we don't forgive, right? Like that affects us more than the person who did us wrong. What I heard a pastor say before was bitterness or not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's I don't, so I don't want to assume to know your story, Kevin, but, you know, just from the bit you shared, I imagine there had to be some level of forgiveness like there's forgiveness and reconciliation forgiveness is we release the person reconciliate reconciliation is that the relationship's back to normal how it should be or it's redeemed right we can forgive others without there being reconciliation in the same way that to your point we can we can honor people without there necessarily being respect there um and i know that might be kind of a different i don't know i don't know if that makes sense to me but what you're sharing just really impacted me in that way kevin so thank you for mm-hmm. you know sharing your story with us a little bit and um 
you know, being able to kind of unpack that word honor a little bit for us. That's great. Yeah. I, I love that JP. But, and Kevin, what you're saying here is so hard because it's, it's not something that, that comes natural. You had to work at that. Yeah, and it's absolutely, I, I, I know just from, just from hearing that story that it wasn't easy, but I love how you said that it wasn't on you to make the decision to do it or not. Because God commanded you to do that. Uh, that's what you were saying, mm-hmm. right? Well, there's so much liberty. What were you going to say, JP? No, I was just saying you had mentioned how, you know, because God commanded it, there must be a reason for it. And I really love how you said it. It's just like inherent trust in the commandment of a loving father. You just kind of say, okay, I don't get it. But God, if you tell me this is what I'll do, I'll do the hard work to get through it. I was going to say, that's that's one thing I think is great about this passage. When we're, we're talking about what are we learning about God, is that he... I mean, it's kind of a weird way to put it, but he's a commander. I don't think there's any word that is used more often in this passage than yeah. command. Outside of like the, right? You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just funny. <laughs> so it was difficult. Um, I know who God is more. We start to see different parts of his character that we have to actually try to see. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I don't like rules. When I say rules is because... For me and who God is, is that God has told me and everyone who follows him to do specific things for multiple reasons. But the two biggest things are because there's freedom in that. One, there's three. The second one is he knows what he's doing. And the third one is that in doing so, we were, we are able to live and experience life the way that we are supposed to. Well, the first thing is God slapped me in the face one time because I was really, really upset because I was doing a mission trip and I had to leave. And I'm like, well, who's going to love these people if I leave? God's like, Mm -hmm. Kevin, do you know my history? Is it my history faithfulness? Do you know my track record? Those were the exact words, actually. Do you know Mm -hmm. my track record? When have I not shown up for people who love me? Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about what I'm going to do because I've shown you time after time that I show up. And so that I'll have peace in that. And when I say that there's liberty, mm-hmm. for me, if I was carrying, um, and I did, I had to bear the brunt because whenever someone who is supposed to love you does not, there's always a void. I had to understand that, first of all, God loves me and that the people who he chose to be my parents here, I was just unknown to them. I yeah. never belonged to them. I belonged to the Lord. And mm-hmm. he entrusted someone to take care of me. Now, does that mean that you don't get to do what you're supposed to do as a parent? No, it does not. But it does mean that those are God's children and that he has entrusted mm. you to make sure that you are diligent and that you are faithful with the call of parenthood. So I never belonged to this gentleman or my mother. Those are just the people that God chose to take care of me and direct me towards mm. him so that I can become the best version of myself for the kingdom. I had to realize that no one else's deficiencies were about who God is or who God is not. Those are their deficiencies. That's not the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. Only good things come from the Lord. And so the understanding Man, that yeah. God is good and that he's gifted me and he's blessed me so much, I found peace and I found solace in that. And it did leave voice because, like I said, there are things that a father is supposed to protect you from that he didn't. There are ways that they're supposed to guide you that he didn't. But like when you serve the Lord, you have to believe that he's going to give you something great if there may be something that you're lacking. Because that's always how he's shown up for people. It's about showing who is the king and who is the ruler and the direction that you want in your life. And so even if people did not earn my honor or my respect, I have to give that to them because the Lord called me to it. And I've I've learned humility. And I'm not a parent yet, but I feel like I'm 
more equipped because I have been willing to submit certain things on the human side of what that may look like. And I've grown and I can minister to people and I can speak truth to people because of the situations that I've been in. And I think there's power in that. Mm. And yeah, I'm just a believer that yeah. God gets everything back and that our experiences are not just for us. Yeah. Man, that's so good, Kevin. You uh, you said something a couple, well, several powerful things. But one of the things you mentioned was like those three, and I forget the first one, but you're talking about like the three things about why we obey. And like one of them was the idea of, you know, God knows what he's doing. Third one is like, you can have freedom to live the life he has for you. And I forget what your first one was. And I wish I remembered it because I was like, I just wanted to take those three things and say, this is how I would summarize this passage there's liberation in following who god is liberation and following god is so liberation and following yeah. who god is god knows what he's doing right and then that we're able to um you know live the life that he has for us i'm like oh that is that's a really good summary point and i couldn't remember them because i was taking in all the other good stuff you were saying and i was having yeah. a hard time i was having a hard time remembering um of that but uh, man that is that is so good and it's so good yeah kevin thank you so much for sharing that man um yeah, I, I really appreciate your honesty and how you're letting us dive into, you know, your life with you in that stuff, yeah. man. That's so awesome. Thank you. It's great. Thank well, you. it's not about me. I definitely don't want to make the focus on me, but God is big. And like, I truly believe that all of the good, the bad, everything in our lives is to direct someone else towards who God is. And so I don't have an issue sharing the perceived difficult things with me because I don't feel like they were ever about me or they were never for me to begin with. Amen, man. I think this is a really good moment. I want to move us forward. And I think this is actually a pretty good transition point. So we've learned a lot about God here. And to be honest, I feel like we barely scratched the surface because there's so, this passage is so dense. There's so much about God here. Yeah. But um, this is a good transition time to think about, okay, what are we learning about us? What are we learning about people? So what does this passage say about people? I'm just going to make mine short since I've been the long-winded one. It says that God knows that we cannot do it on our own. And when we are left to our own vices, we're going to mess mm, it up. Right. It does say that about us. Like we have so, so many things wrong with this. It's like, you guys ever see a sign that sounds so stupid, <laughs> but you're like, you know, and you're like, okay, what happened here that made them put this sign up? Yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. did it before. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's done it before. Look at this. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Like, there's so many things in here that we are like, sure, that those things are intrinsically bad. But God's like, I apparently I have to put up these signs because you guys keep doing yeah. this. We just humans were created to worship and to have something sitting on the throne of our lives. Yeah. And if you don't know who the Lord is, then you're going to try to put any and everything into that position. And for people who don't know the Lord, they're seeking. And so that means that things that seem a little bit like, hey, why would you do that? If you don't have the right things directing you and guiding you, then it isn't going to look like you are headed to disaster, per se. Because that's just human nature is to always, hey, can I play this? How close can I get? What is this sinning? Hey, is this wrong? Like, I'm not really hurting anyone. Like, that's that's who, yeah. who we are as people because our nature is to rebel. Yeah, that's yeah. a... I remember hearing a sermon from someone years ago that said, 
how, to your point about like pushing the envelope, it was based off of uh, Matthew 7. It talks about like the wide road uh, that leads to destruction or the narrow road. And it talks about how if we're asking the question, how far is too far or how far can I go? The question we shouldn't be asking, we shouldn't be asking how far is too far. Because if we're asking that question, then we're on the wrong road. Like we're not even going right. down the right path. We are, we're completely down the wrong road and we're trying to see how close to the edge. Um, and I had a, another pastor talk about how, you know, I want you to like picture, picture you're driving, you know, Kevin, picture you're with us in San Diego and we're driving down the beach and there's a cliff at the edge of it. And you pull over for a turnout because you want us to take a picture over the cliff. And there's a sign that basically just says like slippery cliff caution. And there's like a little like, you know, a little small little chain, not even a chain link fence, but just like a little chain thing uh, that's like a little barrier. And you say, but I really want to get this picture, right? Like, I really want to be able to, to look over and see over the edge. And what do we do? We, we step over the, the, the little fence and then we want to get one step closer and then one step closer and then one step closer. And then what happens is we slip and we fall and we, we go off the edge of the cliff. You meet the Lord. Yeah, you meet the Lord. And, and the, pastor, the pastor was asking the question, which step is the step that got you in trouble? The first one. The first one, absolutely, it was, because it's the one where you saw the warning, hey, slippery slope or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, caution, and you say, eh, I want to go my own way. And then you talk one step at a time until you, in Kevin's word, you meet the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Meet so, the Lord. Hey, <laughs> yeah. someone use this. My wife is really good at euphemisms because she really, really wants people to understand things. One is when you have an investment and you want to be the best version of yourself, you don't ask what's wrong with something, you ask what's right with it. How is what we're about to partake in going to help us? Yeah. How is you being deceptive right now? What's right with that? Yeah, because when we do that, then we have to reevaluate. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that right now. I mean, let's look at these commandments and flip them because they a lot of them are sort of like uh, a negative commandment in a way. You shall not murder. So that's negative statement. Don't murder. Let's yeah. flip that. How do you ask, okay, so what's wrong? Obviously, killing is wrong. Well, what's right with this commandment? If you're not murdering, then you're then you're honoring the life that God has given people. You're valuing life, yeah. So, JP, you do this one. You shall not steal. What's wrong with the reason for that commandment? Well, the, what's wrong, I mean, what's wrong with it is it's taking what doesn't belong to you uh, and, and doing it that way. So what's right about it is that it's respecting what you have, not coveting what someone else wants. It's, it's being grateful for what you have to the point where it doesn't cause you to be willing to do something, you know, to be wrong. Um, so it's gratitude and it's contentment and it's just being, just being pleased with what the Lord has given you rather than being upset about what he hasn't. Kevin, your turn. Yes. Honor your father and mother. Well, what's right with that is that, it, like we talked about earlier, is just that it signifies who is at the head of your life. And the understanding that the Lord has placed people above you for specific reasons and trusting that, that he's going to work his, what he has through those individuals. And those may be, that could be anyone who is a position of power over you. That could be your minister. That could be your grandmother. That could be a church elder. Does that mean that you have to sing Kumbaya and, and eat it next to them at every church potluck? No, it does not. But it does mean that God has given them a place and wisdom and perspective that you may not have. And you need to trust that he knows what he's doing there. Yeah, that's really good, too. It, t- it teaches us from the very beginning to honor authority, right? Like, and whether that's church authority, no, that family authority, 
another, another, that's another issue. Is that what we're saying? That we have in our society. Yeah, today. absolutely. Absolutely. It's we rebel against authority and turn to our peers. And then when our, the blind lead the blind, we end up falling off a cliff and meeting, meeting the Lord. I'm just going to keep going back to that one, Kevin. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, meeting the Lord. I love the cliff thing. That's great. I'm just not trying to meet the what? Lord yet. Yeah. I want to meet him, yeah. just not yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what else are we learning about people from this passage? I'll I'll jump in. Uh, one of the things that verse twelve through uh, fifteen really hits on uh, the idea of the Sabbath, right? And you know, um, I've read books um, about, or I've read about the Sabbath, um, but I think like growing up, I always just think, okay, don't do work that day. So what does that mean, right? Like, and so I've read recently this idea of like what you do is you you stop from doing all the crazy things that you're doing, you rest. You delight in things that are enjoyable. Like this is a day of, to be set apart for God. And then you contemplate things about God. That's from uh, Pete Scazzaro, who wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is a fantastic book. I can't even read it. It's so heavy for me. I it's can't so read good. it all at once. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> but, but what I love about it is uh, you look at the reason why, right? Like the, the justification or the reason in the Sabbath passage in this one, in this version, because you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you mm-hmm. out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. In the Exodus 20 version, so there's also in Exodus 20, it also has the Ten Commandments. This is this in Deuteronomy is Moses repeating what he had said to the people years and years before. And so in the Exodus 20 version, the reason why we take the Sabbath has nothing to do with being slaves in Egypt, even though that had just happened. The reason why was because God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and then he rested. Mm-hmm. What does it show us? Well, it shows us that as people, what, what do we learn about people? What does it say about people is that we, um, we often turn to work. Like we, we want to work and we feel this like almost this workaholicism or workaholism of being able to like always try to find our identity and how well we do what grades we get, what promotions we get, what our positions are. It's its our own production. It's our own ability to produce. And yet what the Sabbath reminds us is that God is the one who produced everything, that we can't work to earn his love. We can't work to earn his salvation. He already did the work by sending Jesus on the cross uh, to live a perfect life, well, die a horrible death and to be raised to new life so we may have eternal life. So we can't earn that. We can't do that work. Instead, we get to rest in the freedom that we've received from the Father by not feeling like we have to earn our way that way. And so we learn that wow. about people is that we want to earn things and we can't. We can't earn. There are things we can earn and there are things that we cannot. And our salvation and the love of the Father is not earned. It's, it's joyously sacrificially given as we see through the cross of Christ and his life, death, and resurrection. Yes. That's good stuff, Mr. JP. Thank you. And isn't it interesting that even when we see things played out before, or we have experiences and things that we know we don't like for ourselves, how we're super willing to inflict those same things onto other people. How you can work to the bone and you still have to be told to let your servants have a day off. Yeah. Yeah, After you begged and pleaded for the Lord to set you free from it, and then you inflict the exact same thing on other people. Yeah, no, absolutely. When we drive and merge on the freeway, it's because we're in a hurry. When someone else cuts us off when they merge on the freeway, they're the worst. 
have you been have you been watching me jp because listen man i know you drive up the uh up the five and the 15 back and forth i know but i mean i think that you know if i may like that pulls us back to forgiveness too like what do we learn about people we learn that we we want to be forgiven and we struggle with offering it we yeah. want to um we judge other people by their um intentions like oh or no excuse me their actions their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions so it's like oh i meant well i made a mistake well that mistake may have Mm -hmm. caught harm someone but someone else we just say oh that person hurt me right their actions say that they're bad we don't take a time to look at their intentions to say yeah but maybe they really did mean well just as i've meant well and made mistakes we get it backwards right and that's how we see the parable of jesus when he's you know in um i believe it's in luke 18 when it's the 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 servant who was uh, who owed an oh, yeah. innumerable amount of money that could not be ever counted mm-hmm. was forgiven by the king. And yet someone owed him a small, a minuscule amount in comparison. And that servant threw the other one in jail. And when the king found out, he's like, are you serious? Like I literally set you free and now um, for way more. And so actually I think it's Matthew 18, but it's fine. We're all friends here. Um, but just that idea of like that picture of we w- we want to be forgiven and we want to hold on to the things that other yeah. that we need to give forgiveness for. And that's why the track record thing is so important. And I have to have these conversations with people. When we get in our feelings hurt, we automatically assume that the person is the most person in the world and that they just wanted to hurt you. And I'm like, one thing that me and my wife tried to make sure that we're intentional about doing is like, we know that we love each other and that we are in this for the long haul. And so whenever one of us feels wronged or not heard or not acknowledged, well, first, make sure that you don't forget that, like, I committed to being there for you forever. That means that I don't do things that I know are intentionally hurtful to you. And we keep that in perspective when we always make sure that we're looking at the track record and not just the right now. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I have to remind people that I'm like, so in the moment that you were hurt because you didn't feel like you were hurt or you were not acknowledged, are you forgetting, like, all the it's other good. things that I've show, that I've done yeah. to show you who I actually am. There's a lot of that going around lately. That they're talking about um, is this a feature or a bug? Say that right? again. Is this is this a feature or a bug? Yeah, yeah. You know that that phrase because it's like if it's a feature, then that's something that um, I always do, and I've shown in my character to be who I am. If it's a bug, it's just a glitch. It's something that happened one time. It's not. It's not something you would expect. And then if it's something that's all the time and it's something that you feel is a trespass, you have to take it to the table, you have to communicate about it, or you have to do something different. Yeah. To me, like that, you have to do something different. Like just this idea of like, what does this passage say about obedience, right? Like we start to see the word obey his commandments are literally in here, right? So it's, it's, it's this idea of like, it's not like one of those you have to like look really hard to find the thread of obedience. It's, Uh hey, these are the commandments that I've given you. Uh, that is a that is a great transition. So let's move on to the next section, which is what does this passage say about obedience, or what does obedience look like from this passage? And JP, you were gonna say something about obedience here. Yeah, Deuteronomy five thirty two. So you shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand 
or to the left, you shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land you shall possess. But um, mm-hmm. like it's there's no wiggle room in that. It's not like, hey, you should try to do what the Lord commands like six days out of the week or when you're feeling good or yeah. as long as the pastor's sermon was decent or as long as you're not arguing with your wife or, I mean, or your spouse. Like it's 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 you obey, right? Like you do what the Lord's mm-hmm. God has called us to do because you yeah, know, you get a Sabbath. You get a Sabbath from work, but you don't get a Sabbath from obeying God. You don't get a Sabbath from obeying God, exactly. <laughs> and so it's just like, do this. Like, this this is what I'm calling you to do. This is what God, rather, is calling us to do, as Moses is saying it, mm-hmm. is obey. Whenever we're left to do our own thing, people, like Moses was on the mountain with the Lord for a very short period of time. And when he came back, they had a golden calf. And so whenever people are left without direction, if the Lord is not at the center or on the throne of their life. Whenever they have the ability to make decisions for themselves without any direction, then generally they're not going to make the most holy decision. We'll say holy decision. We'll say and holy. So we need to, as people, because, because we lack a, a humongous depth generally of who God is, and we allow our feelings and our right now to be the dictators of our reality, instead of track records, history, things like that, then most of the time, when we are left to our vices, we're not going to make the right decisions, unfortunately. And God's like, hey, I got you. I knew you. I knew you before you knew you. All right. I'm going to help you. I'm going to, I need you to let me help you help you. And so when you do that, I'm going to make sure that you have fullness and that we get the most out of this and that I get the most out of you. So here's how we can do that. And let's make, let's do it together. You come alongside me. And if you do this, then we won't, this right here stops you from going over the fence. We stay on this track, then you don't have to go over the fence. I can show you the same view that you want, but I can show you in a way that's not going to endanger you. Mr. JP, shout out. I can show you the exact same view of that you want to see, but let's go to a safer place for this. We may have to walk a little bit longer than we anticipated, but if we continue down this journey, then I can get you the exact same view and it will not cost you your life to say to do that. Or a better view. Correct. Hey, we'll go with that. And the relationship gets grown because you're just going on a walk together anyway. So it's a, it's a win, (laughs) win, win, win. I have a, another good analogy that kind of goes along with the point that Mr. JP made earlier. So if you have a brand new house that you just bought and you have a creek in your backyard and let's say you have three children under the age of five, are you going to build the fence as close to the creek as possible or as close to the house as possible? When God's Mm. like, hey, JP, I need you to come follow me or take this journey with me. And JP's like, "Mm, well, I'm only going to do this if I can be as close to the edge of the cliff as possible. Or you're like, but God's like, hey, I want to protect you. Like, and when you're yeah. close to the cliff, you're not close to me. Yeah, that's good. You're putting the distance in between us. And I want us to do this journey alongside. If we do this journey side by side, you will experience me on such a more deep level as opposed to 50 feet away from me standing near the cliff. JP, like, I want you to choose me. I want you to do this journey with me. And when we choose when we choose to be as close to the cliff as possible, then we're missing that intimacy with God because we're looking at the cliff and saying, man, I think this might be better for me in this moment. This is so good. This is great. But we're missing, we're missing that closeness with the Lord. when We're doing that because that thing on the other side of the cliff, if we 
do take that, one, it could lead us to places that we don't want. But those things are the things that create distance and they break the intimacy with the mm -hmm. Lord. Yeah, I like I like this uh, metaphor because you're talking about creating distance and the steps to the creek uh, create that distance. I want to further that metaphor and break it down and bring it back into the passage. Like, I think we, we often misunderstand what these commandments are. We think that the cliff is you shall not murder. Uh, or the creek. We think the creek is you shall not murder. You shall not murder is actually the fence. Mm -hmm. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. These are all the fence. These are all the things that God wants us to stop at mm -hmm. and not take those steps. And then doing those things, those are, those are, we've gone past the fence. We are walking toward the creek. And he's like, you're, you're getting further from relationship with me. I'm asking you, I'm telling you, these things because I love you because I want you close to me because I want you to be safe and I want to live with you. But if we hit that creek, if we hit that, that cliff, it's done. That, that relationship is over. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I think we think that, I think it's easy for us to look at rules, obedience and these things and, you know, assume that the command for obedience in any sense is, is, is a negative thing, a pejorative thing. It's the, the idea is that we're, God calls us to obey because it's the best way to live. Um, God, a, a parent who is, you know, who loves their kids and is with their kids and is trying to do their best to raise their kids might have rules. But as Hebrews talks about, like, you would look at it as a father disciplines a son. Like, that's, that's good. That's what needs to happen in order for growth. Mm -hmm. And so I think the idea of obedience is it's one of those words that we just kind of twitch at sometimes because we just don't like, we don't like that. We want to, we, we feel like it's a word that's like a straitjacket and we want to rip it off. But when the rules come out of love and when you know the one who made the rules loves you and is committed to you, then not only will you be willing to obey, you'll want to obey because you're going to be able to recognize that it comes from love rather than power, rather than um, lording it over you or anything like that. So right. all these things are ways for us to experience God's love by putting him first in our lives, by not having other idols, by resting in him, by honoring those and knowing what it means to honor those around us in authority, by not stealing, not hurting, not murdering, not um, lying, not breaking family relationships or relationships with people. It's, it's, we, we do that because we obey that because of the loving father who put those rules in place, those regulations, those statutes, those commandments uh, in place. Cause it's not cause he just wants to lord it over us because it's the best way to live. And I think obedience yeah. is about your heart and not necessarily your actions play along with it, but your heart is important. No one wants Like if my wife's like, I'm not going to cheat on you just because it's a rule. I'll be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but because, because your heart matters. And when you do things because you care about people or because you understand the confines of the relationship and how it's going to make it more full, you will do that naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. And me and my wife would have an issue if she said that, by the way. Yeah, but just, just to be clear, that would not be all right. Correct. <laughs> well, only because yeah. we say we're not going to do that. What? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. The, the only thing I want to add here is, um, and it's based on what you're saying about how, you know, he, he tells us these things because he's loving, is, um, and I know this gets said a lot and sometimes it gets twisted, but, you know, the image of God as a good father really shines through here that example is is so powerful because a, a good parent does have rules for the child not because they love rules 
but because they love their child. Exactly. Don't touch that. It's hot. Don't go. Don't play in the street. And, and sometimes it's things that seem really fun. Don't stay up too late, you know, but it's because we, we love you. We want you to have rest. You know, we want you to be safe. We want X, Y, Z. I, I just, I think of when we, when we view God as this good father, as this good parent, it makes the Ten Commandments make way more sense. It's good. Cool. So, uh, and I know we've gone over. We just have one last thing to do, guys. First of all, I want to thank you guys for studying this with me. I've had a, I've had a blast. So this is the last thing. In light of this passage, in light of everything that we've learned about what it says about God, what it says about people, what it said about says about obedience how will our week be different this week so what is something that you will commit to doing this week based on what we've learned i was really impacted by kevin what you shared i think you know in light of the passage this week i will be intentional about showing and giving honor to whom honor is due Mm -hmm. and even if i don't understand it even if i don't want to or whatever that looks like, but just to give honor because yeah, respect is earned, but honor is meant to be given. Um, that really impacted me. So cho- choosing to use words and treat, uh, not that I treat them dishonorably, but it's, it's easy to, even within our own minds to, to tell our own story of how we think people are or, or what their responses are, but to, to fill in that gap between when we're hurt and people's actions, we can either fill in that gap with suspicion and questioning, or we could fill in that gap with hope and honor. Uh, Andy Stanley talks about filling in the gap with hope, not suspicion. So in light of the passage, I, I will, I, you know, I want to be really intentional about honoring people and showing honor to one another, yes. because that's really, that's really important. I, I really appreciated that. Thank you. I think I don't have children yet, but I think um, everything that we do is an investment into our future seed. And I think that understanding that, God has specifically called his people in a specific way is because there's freedom in that and making sure that I trust that freedom all of the time and trusting that he has ordained every experience, every tear, every good thing, that all of that comes from him. And that when we, when I follow him with the right heart, when I obey him and I allow him to be the king of my throne then I experience freedom more. So I am committed this week to trusting God more than I have previously and allowing him the full undisputed throne of my life more than what I had nice. previously. Amen. That's beautiful, Kevin. Thank you, man. Uh, for me, this week, I will not murder. There you go. <laughs> Good. Verse All 17. Right. oh my goodness it's different from every other week Um, (laughs) yeah but but then you got to go back to Jesus' words in Matthew 5 which is you can't even show anger towards someone so really you know not murdering is you can't even be angry at someone ah dang it you're a hot mess Uh, express I'm not gonna murder hot mess express oh my god oh man Uh, I Okay, so for me, I really appreciated the conversation about God being a loving God who gives us these laws and uh, commandments, not because he loves commandments, but because he loves us. And it makes me think of children going to their parents later on in life and saying, hey, thank you for, thank you for these rules. Thank you for this. And I, I, I really like that. I, and I've, I've done that with my parents, and I've seen other people do that. And I, I've, I don't think I've ever like taken that approach with commandments and God. So... This week, I want to let these commandments, when I come across them, 
be an opportunity for me to thank God for those commandments. Whenever like these these come across my plate or maybe we're talking about it or I'm like warded off by something because of these commandments, I want to thank God for his provision of these commandments so that because I know it's him wanting a deeper relationship with me. It's great. Cool. That was long winded, but I got it out. I really appreciate <laughs> the study with you guys. I'm just going to pray for us and then um, we can sign out. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this study with these guys today. We thank you for your word. And we also thank you for your commandments. We thank you for the provision that you have. You've just provided us with loving commandments, ways to stay away from things that distance us from you. And you've given us ways to draw near to you, such Mm -hmm. as the Sabbath. Um, knowing that that is a day that we can focus on you. We don't have to work. We don't have to toil. Uh, We can revel in the fact that uh, it's not because of anything that we do that has given us salvation or that has given us a relationship with you. It's all because of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And just pray that you would help us to lean into that and um, choose to love you more every day. Uh, Thank you so much for these guys. I thank you for Kevin. I thank you for JP. And uh, we pray that you would help us to remember these things constantly this week and the rest of our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I'm sorry we went over time, but um, I hope we can study again sometime soon. Yeah, that'd be fun. I love it. Nice to meet you, Kevin. Thanks Thank for hanging you out. So man. Much, Sam. Yes, it was nice to meet you too, Mr. <laughs> JP. We'll be in touch, Sam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Catch you later. <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. 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 We like to think of a nerd as someone who wants to know as much as they can about a subject or topic. Our goal at Bible Nerds is to show you that anyone can be a Bible nerd. We want to know what does your obedience look like? What is your I will statement? Let us know in the comments below. If you have a prayer request or any questions, email us at wearebiblenerds at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.